This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, a comedian comes on to pick a joke from their career to play and discuss. For example, this episode, where exactly that will happen. Our guest this week is Lorel Howery, who's maybe best known for his breakout role in Get Out, and also this past fall for co-creating and starring in the semi-autobiographical Fox sitcom Rel. We touched on both those projects, but the focus is Rel's stand-up. I love Rel's stand-up because a real sense of place. That place, of course, being the city he's from and started in Chicago, but it's more than that. With his storytelling and how he inhabits the characters in his life, you get a full picture of his world. The story behind the joke you're about to hear is pretty special, so I want to let Rel tell it. But, you know, just for some context, the version I'm about to play is from his 2010 appearance on Star's First Amendment stand-up series. One other note, the episode was recorded live at Vulture Festival LA this past fall. So, here's Lil Rel in 2010, then Lil Rel and I and the people quietly watching the interview from 2018. Enjoy. No matter how crazy my parents are, like, I grew up with a 70s father. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Every time my dad used to talk, he'd point, bend down, and step back on your ass. Every time he'd say some shit, point, bend down, step back on your ass. Nigga still saying, say shit. Which one of you child turkeys taking out the guy, bitch? I'm sick of this shit. In his shucking and jiving. What's that, motherfucker? What you doing? Then my mama smoked cigarettes growing up. My mama was a, a cigarette smoker, man. I love my mama to the fullest, but she had the mom. Like, anybody grew up with the mama with the daddy voice? You know how hard that shit was? He's like, how you doing, mama? How you doing? <laughs> and you know, when you're a kid, you know, you're always begging your parents for shit. You know what I'm saying? When you're a little kid, you're always bothering them. Mom, can I have, can I get some? Mama, can I have, I won't. One time, my mama lost it. I think she just got tired of us begging her for shit. This is a true story. She, she had some shrimp fried rice, right? This, is, this really happened. <laughs> And we in there begging and shit like, can I have, I want, she like, oh, can I have, I want, can I have, I want, can I have, I want, I can't have shit to myself, but you in here, can I have, I want, your daddy bought y'all two wings apiece, eat them goddamn wings, he bought me this fried rice for my anniversary, this is my anniversary fried rice. But you motherfuckers in here want some of my shit. Can I have? I want. Sick of this shit. Ain't did man homework. But you here back on fried rice. MSG in here. It will kill you. Shit, my mama sang in the choir, so you know that shit was hard. You argue with the choir, dude. Look here, I'm an alto. I'm not singing no goddamn tenor. You don't see no other women in that back row. <laughs> And it's the 80s when they used to have the microphone set up in front of motherfuckers and shit. So you, he wouldn't even hear the rest of the choir. He hears my mom, Jesus, you're the center of my job. He would be in church, man. That dude can sing. There ain't no motherfucking dude. That's my wife, sucker. I will come kick your ass, turkey. What up, y'all? How y'all doing? Damn, I ain't seen that clip in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I, when we do this live, it's always interesting <laughs> which are the comedians that like their own material and what's, and you were laughing it up. Because it's, it's, it's a true story. It's, <laughs> it's so I haven't did that bit in years, too, and that, that's so it's fun to watch that. Yeah, you were just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's a, I remember that memory. <laughs> I just look at the energy I had, too. Like, I, I don't even have that type of energy right now. 
2018. I'm like, shit, I'm old as fuck. <laughs> um, before we get to the joke, I want to start a little behind, uh, like a little of your childhood to get a sense of how you got started in comedy. So you grew up in Chicago around like a really big time for stand-up. Like specifically in the South Side, there's the club All Jokes Aside, which was like the seminal comedy club in the history of Chicago comedy and American comedy. Were you, you know, you're still young. Were you aware of those things? Yeah. The funny thing is they did a, NBC did like one of those specials yeah. about All Jokes Aside, like a, a news story. And um, honestly, I, I, tried to, I tried to go, I, I had a counselor at my school who, uh, David Burns, Mr. Yeah. Burns, he thought I was funny. And I'm like, yo, could you take me to this comedy club to see if I can go up? The crazy thing is, by the time we decided to do that, yeah. the club was closed. So I was like, oh, okay, that was weird. You, know what I mean? like, <laughs> you, you asked and killed the, uh, killed yeah, the-, I, the, the club. Ended up being, but, it was so, but it was so funny. That's what, that was one of those little things that made me want to do stand-up. I'm yeah. like, oh, it's a club here. Like, when, as soon as I get old enough, I'm going to go to it. Yeah, it's like... It- like, had you heard of Robin Harris and Bernie Mac? When- Huge Robin Harris fan, Bernie Mac, um, Martin. But Eddie Murphy's Delirious is what made me want to do stand-up. That I, my, my homeboy, was, he watched. It's so funny because like, we looked at it like this old thing. Like, man, this old comedy special is great. <laughs> and um, we watched Delirious, and it was, just, it was just brilliant, man. Like, just the way he acted out everything. And, like, he'll tell a story. He'll do each character in the story. Which is why the way I format my stand-up is based off the way Eddie Murphy formatted his. You have characters, but you're built in a story. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, um, you set it up, and then you just act it out. It was the first time you performed, it was, some comedy was at a high school talent show, was that this? Nah, nah, it was, um, so it wasn't stand-up. I did a play yeah. in high school, and the teacher let me write all the my funny stuff. And I guess the first big, la- I went to a ghetto high school, so like, <laughs> They didn't like. They would heckle anybody. Like it'd be people that like trying to speak positive shit to us. Yeah. Like, like, man, shut the fuck up. We don't want to do shit. We're like, damn, right. And um, <laughs> so I was like nervous because I'm like, yo, if this is not yeah. funny, yo, like they gonna give it to me. And the first big laugh I got was from my peers. It was a rap after that, man. Like yeah. I just literally the the um, the teacher who di- who directed it sent me a clip, which I haven't posted yet. I think I might post it soon, which is so crazy. I mean, little me, I'm like. <laughs> Insanely skinny. Just, yeah. I look like I look like a different person every three years. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but I look, I was just so it's so funny watching that because yeah. that was my moment of like oh this is what I want to do for real. I want to I specifically was like I want to be a comedian, actor, writer. And then so I believe you started stand up like well your first start was in at nineteen at the Lion's Den of Mike, which was also Den, yep. legendary or will be legendary when more people know. But like a lot of people started there. Hannibal Burr started there. Kyle Kanai. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani. Yeah. Did you know those guys? Yeah, those my, those my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel like something was happening? I don't think we thought about it like that. I, I, I didn't think about that till years later. I'm like, yo, we all was at this little small, cl- like it, it, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. And not good yet. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just just telling these weird jokes to each other, because it wasn't a real crowd there, which is funny. It wasn't even big enough to really get it. Like when I I had six friends come, like, oh, you packed the place out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so it's so weird when I think about like all of us starting in this this really small spot. I remember one night I almost got jumped on because it was a whole other gang there, right? It was like it was a Hispanic gang over that way, and uh, they didn't know who the fuck out. They're like, who, where the fuck you come from? I'm like, look, I got jokes. You lucky you funny, you know. 
But then it whooped my ass. But it was coming from the lines then. That's yeah. so fucking crazy. Do you uh, remember any of the earlier jokes you did? Or the weirder ones? No, I mean, I used to do a lot of stuff about wearing glasses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I used to do a lot of stuff about wearing glasses. Like, you know, I, I always say, uh, you know, when you wear glasses, you don't get the same threat as everybody else. Yeah. That was my first joke. It was like, you know, they'd be like, hey, dude, I'm going to knock your ass out. You right there, I'm going to slap you. You, I'm going to knock your motherfucking glasses off your face. I'm like, why can't you, why can't you just get punched like everybody else? <laughs> so, yeah, that was the joke. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, you've talked about, uh, you know, Chicago traditionally has a pretty segregated comedy scene, but you didn't necessarily, you, you didn't play by that sort of rule. Why was that? How do you think that affected the comedy you did? Um... Because what I did was, at first, I just went wherever I saw comedy at. Like, the uh, Chicago Sun-Times used to put out this little weekend uh, newspaper with the Friday paper. Yeah. And I would go in there, like, for years, like, probably since I was, like, 14, 15, I was just looking at it to see the list of clubs for no yeah. reason. I just was just looking. I just knew <laughs> yeah. where the clubs was, like, yeah, what yeah. comedy clubs, what plays was there. I just looked. It was just always there. So, you know... I, I didn't think about it like that. I just went to wherever comedy was. And I didn't realize how segregated it was until I started just like going to the South Side and coming to like, well, this, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and it's it's kind of still, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a lot different now because of like maybe like a me and Hannibal and like all of us became friends. So everybody started coming to each other's stuff. But for a long time, it wasn't like that, yo. Yeah. It was kind of, it's, it's still kind of weird. But that's Chicago in general. It ain't yeah. just comedy. It's a segregated city. So it seemed like the big breakthrough is when you started hosting an open mic at Jokes and Notes. Yeah. What was that like? How did that influence the type of comedy you did on stage? I mean, that's that's. I was thinking about that the other day because people still hit me into how much they miss it. It was just. It was like a rock star night, yo. Like it wasn't like no regular open mic. Like you had to be like, open micers were scared to go up because I'm like, nah, this ain't no bullshit. <laughs> It's a real audience here. I packed it every week. It was like NFL players coming and like basketball players buying bottles and shit. Like it was like a club. Cause that's what I did too. Cause I thought it was weird that comedians always promote the comedy shows at other comedy shows. What yeah. the fuck is that about? Like, <laughs> so I started going to the clubs and I used to have a, a comedy CD and I would give it away for free. It'd be like a group of girls in a car. I'm like, yo, take this CD. I promise you I'm funny. If you think I'm funny, come to the show. Email me or hit me yeah. up. This is when MySpace was going on. Yeah. Message me on MySpace. <laughs> And I get, but it was like a. It used to be a line around the corner every week for like three years straight. To see open mic. To see open mic. Because I was freestyling every week too. Yeah. So I didn't do anything twice. So everything that's on that relevant special is the best of whatever I did. Yeah. On what you just remembered it all. Yeah. It's just you. You don't forget the stuff that made people cry laughing. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff came off. Maybe I heard somebody said a bit and an idea came. Like it was. It's crazy when I think about. It. That's how like. Every week, I never, I said, I'm not repeating. Whatever happened to me this week is going on this stage. Yeah, and that's what that was so much fun, man. I think it, hosting gives you a great skill set as a comedian to be able to perform to me in front of anybody and whatever the situation is, where you don't have to force your material yet. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know how to talk to people first, then you get into it. Yeah, it's first you're selling yourself. Post the material. Like yeah. first thing is like I'm a comedian. We'll figure out what the material yeah. is afterwards. Let's talk about this joke. And so let's start with just sort of growing up. Did you realize your parents were funny? Did you find them? Were they funny people? You know what's funny? I didn't realize how funny my mom was until till I got older and I started doing comedy. Like, you know, before she passed, we, we became like friends. Like when I first started, that's who would come. She would come to the first time I ever did that bit was in front of her. Really? Yeah, she was there, and I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> and uh, she thought it was, she was like dying laughing. You know what I mean? So... You know, which is weird too, because my kids now be doing like little, like it's so weird. Your kids do see you, and like 
Yeah. They, my, my son can really, they know when I'm mad. Like, when you get mad, you start doing like this. Like, what? Like, <laughs> they pay attention to all the little things about you. And that's with her, that, that was the same thing. She was like funny, funny. Like, and uh, it's crazy watching that bit. That's such a crazy, that's more, that's a personal. Yeah. Because yeah. I only did that joke. She passed in 09. We did that in 2010. Me and my little brother was on the phone just talking about mom. He was like, yo, you remember that? that that's, you remember she like, can I have I won't? Like, she used to say it all Hell the yeah. fucking time. <laughs> Can't have shit to myself. And, uh, <laughs> and we was talking about it. He was on a, My brother is my muse, my little brother, Matt. Yeah. He is my muse. Like, I could just be having phone conversations with him. And I'm like, oh, I got to take that to the stage. That's just, that's funny. I forgot all about that. Yeah, because you both have memories. Then you can just use his yeah. memories and he's not a comedian. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it, it, it's both our memories combined. Like, oh, yeah. And then, like, I always act it out. Like, even yeah. just talking to him. Like, he, I'd be having him on the phone, like, in tears. Like, just random. I don't give a fuck if I'm talking about Russell Westbrook, whatever. <laughs> he, 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 he laughed. Set everything yeah. I do, so um, that that bit was it was more comforting to us for me to do yeah. that on stage. In general, when you were starting out, did you ever think not to sort of talk about your family on stage? Like, oh, that's that's like I shouldn't point their business. No, I didn't. I don't know what I was scared of at first. I was. I didn't do that at first. I was just trying to do bits. And then my roommates, uh, Brian the Wildcat Smith and Michi Hall, it was my they comedians. Also, it was my roommates. And I'll be telling these stories on road trips, and I'll be telling like we have a group of girls at the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm telling the story, the girls are laughing. They're like, "Dude, why you don't do any of this stuff on stage?" Yeah. Like, fuck the jokes. Tell tell your stories, man. This stuff is funny. And one day, you know, somebody called you chicken. I was like, I ain't, I ain't scared. <laughs> and I went on stage, and it ch- honestly changed. I think my career and yeah. the way I would go about doing my material. Was do you remember that first time? That was really you're like, oh, this is a completely different. Yeah, reaction. it was like on. It was, I think it was on my birthday. Um, I was at Riddle's Comedy Club. D. Ray Davis hosted it Sunday nights there, which that night was another like rock. Like that's yeah. why that's why I got the hustle of comedy from, or just making a comedy show like, not just a comedy show like like it feel like a real thing, because that's what he did on Sunday nights. I mean like. That's, I think that's why I met Kanye for the first time was was at his show. Everybody was there. Yeah. And it was like crazy packed. This dude would make all this money <laughs> and come to LA. I think that's how he sponsored his Hollywood move. Was yeah. just he'd make he'd come Sunday nights, make a killing, fly to LA. And um but anyway, I think it was my birthday. And that was actually that was the first time I ever got a hundred dollars. <laughs> he gave me a hundred dollars for my birthday. I think like, he felt bad. He, first of all, Years later, I know he made thousands of dollars. So him handing me a hundred dollars on my birthday <laughs> for working two shows, he's like, oh, well, here you go. I'm like, thank you. I'm like, nah, wait a minute, that should be more than that. <laughs> uh, but no, I I did it that night, and I'll never forget when I got off stage. It was like, I right. I remember like whatever jokes I was doing, I'm like, nope, I'm yeah, done. done. Never do it again. This, this is this is this is funnier. When you do characters, how do you approach sort of developing what you want them to sound like? What do you want them to act like? Your physicality of like. How do you sort of just develop that? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I just, I kind of just do it. Yeah. And that's why I said the open mic night, I was just doing stuff, you know? So, like, I, there's so many bits I do. I, I, I've been doing a, a bit about my uncle, you know, going to Six Flags and, you know, him being cheap. Like, we made sandwiches. You know, it's just like, it's whatever that. <laughs> it's almost like who's ever in my life I've seen and met, I figure out a way to implement like yeah. even, even, anytime you see me do a pastor that's my uncle he's a yeah. pastor that is exactly him that's his voice hey man dedicated citizen you know and all that stuff like that's that's him so it's just yeah. it's just like a weird nerdy kid thing where i'm just like 
I mean, maybe I'm creepy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, people watch a lot. <laughs> I go up by myself. I go to a club by myself just to watch people. And then just watch them talk, watch them do shit. Like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> and like, I try to implement that in character. Wait, so you were, like were you doing voices your whole life? Yeah. I mean, like, I was doing like, in high school, I used to do, <laughs> I used to do Robert Parrish. If you, most the people don't know player? that. Yeah, the old Robert Parrish is an old basketball player who played way too long. And he played for the Bulls, I think, his last time. But he, this is gonna sound messed up. He used to sound like a slave. And he did this, this it was this local karate place in Chicago. He did a commercial for it. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I started talking like him. Like, like let me tell you this. I played for the Bulls for six for years. And I, if you look up Robert Parrish, I'm not bullshit. I, I, don't, I, I hate to say he sound like a slave, but he do. Yeah. And uh, that's what I, I did him first. Then I started doing Dennis Rodman. I did basketball players first. Yeah. So I did Dennis Rodman, like, sweet brother. You know, I did him. <laughs> and, then, and then I did Michael Jordan. Like, look at that bitch you can. You got to play hard. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You know? <laughs> so it was just, it was a weird thing. I was just into basketball. And yeah. that's what I impersonated. Is that what your parents sounded like? Yeah, my mama's voice was raspy, man. There's <laughs> uh, it, so many stories. Because you got that one, you know, the cat story, as they say, when the cat died and that whole thing. It's just Wait, what's that, what's that story for those? I mean, because I'm saving it for the special. Oh, got it. But, you know, it's, just, it's really insane. It's a true story. The cat had a stroke. <laughs> I'm just being I'm bullshit. Because I think she smoked around him too much and fucked him up. But... He just died one day while I was playing the video game. <laughs> and all of us were scared to tell her that her cat died. You know what I mean? I tell my dad, he's like, look, that's your mama. This is my wife, but that's your mama. You tell her. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so it was a whole, it's a whole thing. But it's a really funny bit. I yeah. don't want to, yeah. You don't spoil yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. But it's and that's funny. what your dad sounded like? My dad was like, yeah, he still sounded like that. Because now he's older now and, you know, like old, older. Like, you know, when people get older, they just start telling you these new stories and shit. Apparently he said kill somebody. I, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know if it's true. <laughs> Keep bringing this shit up. Like motherfucker, I stabbed the shit out that motherfucker. What the fuck? Stop telling people this story. He's telling it to everybody. Like you know what I mean? It's like man, I hope you ain't murder nobody, man. But he's been just telling these stories of like, what the fuck is he talking about? Which is interesting too, because now you know, just you end up humanizing your parents. Yeah. And, well, my dad, because we got to take care of him now, pretty much. And, my mom used to complain about certain shit, and we didn't understand. Like, why are you picking on dad? But now we're like, oh, yeah, we get it. <laughs> this motherfucker's irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> Does he like Sinbad playing him? He loves that. My whole family lost it when they found out Sinbad was playing my dad. Because he remind, like, you know what's crazy? Sinbad reminded me of my uncles and my dad. Like, I'm talking about, like, when I was just watching him on television. Yeah. Like, he just reminded me of them. His cadences, the way he say things, and, you know, it's very... That's what's so surreal about having Sinbad play my dad on the show. It's almost like he's turned into, like, my second dad in, like, real life. Like, oh, he'll yeah? text me, and like, man, good... Oh, that was great episode, great writing, man, proud of you, man, you're doing that. He don't have to do that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I, I love shut me, he look at my phone like, thank you, Sinbad. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's my family. Love they love Sinbad. Yeah. Well, he's like he really epitomized the generation of like kids aren't cool anymore. Kids like like we listen to good music. You guys listen to yeah. He's just talking about we, funk. Yeah, music. We, we got the soul music, man. I know what y'all listen to. Yeah. <laughs> my Sinbad impersonation. Very good. When you do these, when you do characters, does do you feel like? What does it feel like to inhabit a person? Do you feel like you're changed? Like do you like take on something from it? Yeah. I mean. For instance, doing that Bird Box movie, 
that was the first character that wasn't like me at all. Like he was way more insecure and all this other shit, and I had to take that on. Like and like, cause he didn't talk to people. He was one of those people. Like they just yeah. kind of stayed to itself. And, and and I was the person that had to give all this information out in the movie. So it was. I had to like. I got really weird. Yeah. <laughs> like it was to the point I had to tell my assistant, like, "Yo, I can't talk to nobody for about a month." Like, cause I started talking crazy. Because I I really own that shit like oh sh which is like which is why I'm looking forward to all the films I'm doing now and yeah. stuff I like I like that tough shit like I watched when I watched Jim Carrey's documentary I had to watch that after I did this movie to kind of figure out a way to get out of that shit yeah like how to be a regular person yeah so you what you do you do learn to take something from that character right maybe yeah. something you learn from it but it's you know, I remember reading about Denzel when he did Training Day, and his wife kicked him out the house. Like he was talking like he was dude. Like, what you say, motherfucker? She's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> you come back when you Denzel, sir. You don't talk to me like that. You know what I mean? So it's, man, that's some heavy shit. But that's I've always when I think about doing those characters on stage has led to like now these movie roles where I'm a really, I'm I still I want to go dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't give a fuck. Like I play the Joker. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> Cause I, cause it's just some, it's some fun and interesting just becoming that one motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. So a joke like this, you know, you you mentioned that this is what happened. What do you then go on stage with? You just sort of. I just do it. I just tell the story as is, and then you know, a lot of times, I black out in character. That's why I can't do this joke anymore. I can't do this joke anymore because I remember the last time I did my mom on stage that this, it was so weird because I'm doing it, but then I started missing her. Yeah. At the same time, it's it's so it might, might sound crazy, but I literally started missing her, and I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I, I was about to crown stage. People just laugh at this shit, and they like they didn't understand. I was like, fuck. I'm like, I can't do. I I miss her. She's so fucking. I miss this lady. Because when you do it, it's like that person's there. It's like she's there. Yeah, and that's it, it, it's so weird. That's a weird thing. It's like maybe a couple of years ago when I was like, I, I need to. I can't. Because you do a little bit in the irrelevant. Yeah, just a, and it's just a little bit because I couldn't. Yeah. And there's other stories I have, but I'm like, am I ready to... I guess it's weird, because this was early when she just passed, so it was just more or less I was celebrating and having, you know... But then as years went as gone, I've missed her, like, especially in these moments now. You know, you start going to the Emmys and all this other shit, and you're like, damn, this is who I would love to take with me yeah. and all this stuff. So it's maybe I'm getting older, but it's, it's so weird that most recently I'm like, damn. Which is why with my comedy, everything is so personal to me. Um... Because I think it's therapeutic, to be quite honest with you. But that's why I haven't done it in a while. How did the joke change doing... I mean, you said you had the joke already, and then you did it again. Yeah. Once you did, what, how did it change doing it? it? It just got... It got better and even more honest in what she was saying to me. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, when I... Black, and I do it differently, which is weird, too. I can do... You'll see me do this bit this way. If you go see me lie, I might change. If you go see me, I might just switch things because I might just I take on the character and whatever I think that yeah. moment is. You know what I mean? So it's just a, the, the words will change. Most time with anything, I, I, it's hard for me to do it verbatim because I I might find some some uh, some uh, another clever thing to say. Yeah, it, it's like I because there's you'll do different parts of this throughout. Like you'll find it different parts and different things will happen. It seems and it's like you're improvising with yourself. Yeah. How did sort of doing stand up? help in the sort of the mourning process like were you able to do after your mom passed yeah i mean it's so weird because you know i remember we went we was going you know i'm the oldest so i had to do all the funeral shit and we going casket shopping me and my aunties well not shopping i didn't want like call <laughs> it was like, but it was stuff i didn't learn i didn't know we had to like pay i didn't realize how much shit costs yeah to bear like what the wait what to put this in the ground is ten thousand dollars 
Y'all got any regular boxes? No, nah, no. Nah. But, um, <laughs> but it was like funny. So, so we, we looking at caskets. And my, my Aunt Joyce was a big lady. And I was like, the funeral director is such an asshole. My Aunt Joyce was like, ooh, I like this one. I'm going to get this one for me. And she's like, no, we have to order your special. <laughs> I was like, damn, lady. <laughs> it took everything, my auntie. What the fuck you say to me? <laughs> And I was in tears laughing. But that's what I'm saying. It's like these moments of like, comedy just happens, man. It's fucking crazy. Comedy, ha- like, because I, I lost my mom and I lost my brother, right? Yeah. And, and it's, once again, comics, we may have a dark sense of humor, but I think my family does. And we, I remember my brother telling me, like, if he couldn't breathe on his own, make sure you, you know, take me off the shit. And I had to argue with my dad about the shit. Yeah. I'm like, I know it's your son, but that's what he asked me to do. So anyway, once we did that, and he passed, and everybody's crying in the room. And <laughs> my aunt Anna and my cousin Helene, like they one of those. You ever see like the the parent daughter shit where they sit like they sisters, but they not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so they argue and shit like they roommates. It's just fucking weird. And Helene is extra as fuck. <laughs> we all cry. Me and my brothers sit next to each other. She just start like imagine you crying. You heard this your brother. Then you just hear somebody just going big, like ah, you know, doing way too much. She start hanging on the fucking curtain. She's screaming. My aunt Anna like, hell, shut your ass up, shut up, shut up. You know, so they arguing while all of us are sad. And me and my brother are. It went from crying tears to like dying laughing because we knew Marcus, my brother. We all that. That's I like. Yeah, this is a. This is. I love this family. Like, this is a moment because it's like you went from sad to just like, well, if you're going to go, should be your double. This is fucking hilarious. <laughs> in, in Relevant, I think you talk about funeral stuff. We don't get specific. Is that what was behind that decision? Uh, I don't know. Because there was so much happening, man. Like, I could have went into that. I could have went into uh, a lot of shit. But at the time, I was going through the divorce thing. So yeah. that's what I kind of wanted to focus on. And. And then Judas started doing, my son just started doing fucking hilarious shit. So that's why I ended up doing the Derrick Rose joke or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's so funny because I, I remember because Kevin, Kevin Hart produced it. And everybody's like, yo, do you want to go on the road to work the shit out? I'm like, nope. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> everybody was nervous and shit. They're like, man, you need to do two shows. I'm like, dude, I only need to do one fucking two you shows. You didn't do two shows? I did. I did two different sets. Wow. So the one that made it to, t- uh, to television was the first show. The one I said, I said, look, I just need one fucking show. Yeah, yeah. And then the second show, on purpose, I did a whole nother set. <laughs> just so that, it, just to prove a point. point. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the day actually of shooting that like? Well, uh, this, um, the, the joke. Uh, so the funny thing about, about Martin Lawrence, so I wasn't supposed to be on the show. I remember being pissed too, actually, about this. Because they came to Chicago, they picked all these people. I didn't get picked, which I was like, what the fuck is that about? Like, dude, I'm, I'm killing out here. Why the fuck I ain't on this show? Yeah. And I saw my man, I forget his name, but he's, he's the one that developed the show with, with Martin. And um, he hit me up. I'm like, yo, you told me you was going to put me on the show if I ever come to Chicago. And he's like, man, I'm sorry, man. I feel bad, blah, blah, blah. Somebody missed a flight. <laughs> I was already downtown because Tiffany Haddish was taping. Yeah. And I was just down there to support Tiff. And, um, man, like, while I'm down there supporting her, they're like, real, could you... <laughs> You want to do the show? I had to go shopping downtown. That purple shirt was some shit I bought at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. That would have definitely been my TV outfit. That was like <laughs> I wasn't gonna ask about that. I had to get the purple shirt. I bought this shit downtown, and uh, yeah, it was so last minute. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I just happened to have this phone conversation with Matt about the can I have I want, 
And what they take, it's so funny, what they take out of it, the, they don't show the whole thing. At the end of my set, Cheryl Underwood was hosting, made me come back on stage, and she said, Chicago, this is your next Bernie Mac. He's going to be the next big thing. That was in 2010. She said, and they took the shit out. Like, what the fuck? I ain't leaving now. You know what I mean? But so it's one of those moments. I guess I just own yeah. me in Chicago own that because I was at the Chicago Theater. It yeah. was packed, and um, I forgot who had to go up after that shit. But that <laughs> was one of the. That's one of my favorite television. It was as crazy as that look with the energy. I was. It was fucking crazy. Yeah. Would you sometimes when you do the can I have I want? Would you just do that for like minutes? Like, could you? Oh, I can milk. I milk. It. I can milk it. I milked it on that, but you know they cut it down for yeah, you know yeah. for television. But yeah, I, if, the, if if I see one, it could be one, one person could be in tears laughing. I'm like, right, I'm about to fucking kill you. you know what I mean? like, <laughs> I'm like, you about to pass out, lady. We were talking about a little bit before, but you're you're currently working on a, uh, an episode of your show that's based around. How has that process been? That's been interesting. It's, this next the episode we're right now is based off my mom. Is dedicated to her. It's. So one of my favorite episodes of television is My Name is Alex on Family Ties, where he did basically that play, man. When you, Michael yeah. J. Fox, it was just brilliant. That made me want to be an actor, actually, that episode, where he ended up, like, you know, his friend got killed from a drunk driver. He was dealing with that. And it was just brilliant the way that the way that was done. And I, that's kind of in the vein what I'm doing with this particular episode. Uh, with me, it's just my situation. It's more or less dealing with mental, mental health yeah. and, like, how, like, you know, I know with me, I didn't grieve the right way right away because I probably, you know, you should go talk to someone. Like, so I'm, I want to, I'm going to show, I'm going to show a couple of things outside of dedicating to my mom, but showing people how it's okay to go, you know, to talk to somebody. Yeah, to, to get help in that To get help, yeah. So it's going to be great. I mean, it's been, it's going to be emotional. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like with me, I usually wait until show night where I really like just, you know, because every episode has kind of been like that that we've done with Rail so far. Like it's all has this emotional backing to it. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of episodes. One of the speeches was really to my brother for real. Uh, the situ the, tonight's episode. You know, a lot of the elements of what happened with my little brother is in this particular. Like, it's just a. I'm, that's why I like having a show. I mean, <laughs> I, it's just fun creating. I thank Fox for that, man, for letting me do whatever I want to do. Like it's kind of. It's kind of a bit crazy, but it's 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 you know, it's fun. But yeah. I, I don't know if everybody get that because like, yeah. most of the time you try to make things. Oh, this audience, this demographic, this and that. I'm not doing. I'm just making the show you want to make. Whatever the fuck I want to make. Yeah. <laughs> you you say in this clip, and you do this a lot. You'll say like, oh, this is true. Like this is a real story. What for your comment does it mean for something to be true? Why is it important for you? <sighs> it's hard for people to steal truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people remix jokes and steal versions of it, or like even with me over the years, this is characters characters I've done that people have done their version of my characters, and like, mm, okay. <laughs> um, but you can't steal the, my story. Yeah. You know what I mean? That happened to me. So if you do do that, you're a fucking maniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're a lunatic. Like, can I have a whoa, 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 whoa? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, no, nah, it's the truth. It's hard to steal the truth. Yeah, I I, I read that uh, you're really moved by Richard Pryor's book. Oh man, so good because it was you know what was amazing about if uh, Pryorkovich's and other like like it's the joke could be there and then the real shit. It was just brilliant. And I was like, man, Richard really. It's so interesting. And that's why it goes back to the mental health, especially with comedians, man. Like. I think comics should talk to people. Like most of the time, they, they talk to each other. Like I'm just doing. A, no, get some help. 
Because a lot of us, so not necessarily me, but most people come from these really dark yeah. fucking places. And Richard had so many insane things. Like, you wish he could have met Oprah. <laughs> I wish, whatever they met, I mean, like, in his prime. Like, yeah. you wish Richard Pride knew Oprah. Yep. So he had somebody to fucking talk to. Because the shit he went through was fucking insane. Yeah. It makes me feel bad for him, too. I, I remember being sad. Like, that first part of the book, everything that happened in his childhood, that's insane. Yeah. So, you know, you watch Rel, and it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's a lot of the stuff is one-to-one, right? It's like, it's your name, but also, like, the divorced dad of two. Yeah. Uh, you FaceTime with your kids every day. You know, his dad's a widower. His brother just got out of prison. His best friend, I believe, is based on Tiffany Hannah's Yeah, said. And, and that's another thing, too. Everybody was mad at me like, first. Like, why the, why the black book? Why he got to be out of jail? Like, because that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, like, it's just the truth. Like, if you're tired of that stereotype, stop locking motherfuckers up <laughs> for some petty shit. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's so weird. Because we're like, man, you can, no, nah, I don't want to, I want to just, I, what I want, and this is just real quick, I'm just doing this, but like, I want to display his development. My brother went to jail for a year, came back. It was tough because he was still out of jail and shit, and I was taking around. He, he didn't realize that people knew me and shit. People come speak to me like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Like, dude, it's a fan, man. Shit, chill. <laughs> But to watch who he is now, I just went to his wedding a few months ago. He, he had a, at a, what the fuck was up? We was overseas somewhere. Beautiful wife, beautiful kid, great job. Yeah. I saw him develop, and I wanted to show that on a show as he develops, which we did one of the episodes when you see him Nat develop. But it's just, I wanted to show that because a lot of, it's been situations where cats got out and they, they couldn't get it together or didn't have the right support system or whatever. But yeah. my brother, we supported him right, because I felt bad. I like, I felt, like what the fuck are you doing in jail? Like how did I don't, who the fuck was you running with? But I was focused on comedy, and and myself, and I didn't really you know like damn I wasn't really there for my little brother like I should have been. So, you know, like comedians at your level get shows with their name and title. They don't have to approach it this way. They could like they can do whatever. They can have a talking dog or whatever. Why why was this what you felt the show needed to be? Um, I just I think comedy is a is healing. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's why I've never done like negative comedy. You know what I mean? Like it's mostly healing to me. So I like, I, for instance, um, I forget which episode it was. One of the episodes, I just got so many messages from people thanking me for like talking about certain things and like, yo, it's funny, but I appreciate you, you know, not being afraid, you know, to um, to let some give advice in a way. That's what I'm doing. Like giving yeah. advice how to get through certain things. You know what I mean? And sometimes I'm just making a point. Even with the Halloween episode. Look, either you loved it or you hated my guts. It wasn't like, cause, but I wanted people to understand we did this crazy ass episode, you know, because I just think I just think black artists should be able to do what they want to do. Like, you know, we always got to be so fucking serious. We should be able to make weird shit, and nobody make, think it's a big damn deal. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like an episode in defense of black mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, black mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, so what? You should be able to do what the fuck you want to do. We should get the same opportunity. Give me millions of dollars to make some dumb shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The thing that I've always loved about uh, your stand-up is how you depict Chicago. Uh, but before we talk about it, I wanted to play a clip from your special Relevant that also gets brought up with Rel, which I, I've, it's always one of my favorite bits of yours. So can you play that clip? I ain't feel good if you in Chicago, man. I've been trying to do like, you know, stuff because I'm back home just to feel it. But then you'd you be like, no, nah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like, like I ended up getting on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like reminiscing one day. Like, you know, I'm gonna reminisce. I'm gonna ride the Jackson bus and just think about life. That reminiscing lasted two stops. 
I was reminiscing for two stops, and then I saw the high school kids get on, like, God damn. Oh, no, I did it again. No. It is about to happen. They don't give a damn. What is these? These little 15, 60 year olds, boy, they'll roast the shit out your ass. Like they was having a freestyle battle on the bus, and I was the punchline. I didn't even know. I was in there rocking with their ass and shit. I was like, you ain't shit. Like, dude, right there. I'm like, what? Me? Like, damn, fam, why you do that? Like, oh, what you mean, me? You don't know my life. I'm doing good. Like, you ain't shit. Like, buddy, right there. Like, buddy. I started grabbing my clothes and shit. I'm scary, I'm be trying to go back and forth with them. Only people that try to stay, there's always that one old black man who can't take it no more. <laughs> this garbage man, he been at work all day, you know, he can't take that shit. He get up and everything, hey man, could y'all cut that shit up real quick? He try to listen to his walk man, he got a walk man still. Come on, I got my playlist on my tapes. Could y'all cut that shit out? What are all that cheese keep bullshit? Little ugly mother they turn around, they just get the roast in his ass. He just looks straight ahead. Yo, dirty ass. You dirty as hell, fam. Old as hell, working like a mother. You struggling, Joe. Yo. You on a bus? You like 60 years old. You don't know my life. My wife took everything. You lonely as hell, Joe. Yo. Oh, lonely ass. Start shaking his shit. <laughs> I watch myself like it's not me sometimes. Because this is funny. This is the thing about the old dude. Just, he just pissed up. He started about to cry. <laughs> uh, the old dude that you played. You're like, that old dude was about to cry. He's like, mm, we couldn't take it no more. <laughs> Chief Keith, motherfuckers. Because uh, that's, you know, it's funny. The lip quiver. You know where I got that from? It's David Allen Greer, man. That <laughs> motherfucker. Every like little thing he do, like the little shakes and shit, you do a living color. Like, that's why I got that. That's what I started. I try to perfect that shit from watching David. Oh, really? I told David that shit. I don't think he believed me, but I'm gonna do. That's why I got out here. He just he's so good at that shit. Uh, what is it about Chicago that you just love doing material about? I love. Cause everybody else talk about they city. Like that's what, that was all. Like you go to New York. New Yorkers, yo, know, they. You, I didn't even know what a bodega was, but I, I heard it a million times in bits. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like everybody else from wherever they're from, they mind talking about where they, you know, where they grew up. At. I was like, yeah, fuck that. I, I'm, I'm going all Chicago, and whatever happens, because happens. I remember comics in Chicago. They were like, man, it's only gonna be they're gonna localize you, man. Ain't nobody gonna get that shit nowhere else. It's like whatever, fam. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it, I'm glad I didn't take that advice. You've talked about early in your career. You heard, I guess, it's Jamie Foxx's manager say something about like focus on Chicago, making it in Chicago, and then sort of build yourself from there. Yeah. You know what? What did that mean? How did it? How did it actually end up working? Where like sort of by well, it, focusing on Chicago, not worrying about the big things. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I ended up making money, and like a lot of my friends who came straight here, like, they struggled hard. And I'm like, fuck that, you know what I mean? Um, it's, and also it taught me to be my, like I became a self-promoter. Like I didn't even mess with promoters no more at some point in Chicago. All this, I got every 
dime at my show every at the door yeah. everything I, you know and I, I spent my own money I reinvested all my money back into me I just think it was just smart by doing that because it just made me stronger so by the time I got here and I started showcasing doing all the just for last stuff I was just ready and um, that's the run I've been on when I think about it over the last like eight years really it's just been like I just been ready yeah I, I, I let Chicago be my training ground I got really as good as I can and confident as I can and just came out here in New York and here, it's like, all right, what's up? <laughs> what does it mean uh, to you to be a Chicago comedian? It means a lot. Just because, you know, Bernie, like, think about somebody like Bernie Mac, for instance. Like, just to be a part of that group to me is, um, you know, just a list of comedians from Chicago who had a show. Who has yeah. this. Like, it feels great. Like, Bernie, it, it, crazy, Eddie Murphy, that's why I want to do stand-up. That's who I looked up to as years you know, as years go, you know, you start, like, I end up becoming a huge, like, Ellen DeGeneres fan and Bernie Mac fan just because it's just always some, that comedy just so honest and personal yeah. to me, and I love that shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, Bernie, Bernie's like my new, I'm friends with Bernie's daughter. Yeah. And I'm glad, our friendship happened so random, too, yo. <laughs> I went to, um, so, two things, but Bernie had his, his memorial I, sn- I don't know how I got in that motherfucker. Like, Cause it was like VIP. You couldn't. I snuck in some. I don't know how I did it, but yeah. I had like a good seat and everything. <laughs> like, what the fuck, like I'm in. Um, but I remember being there and just watching all those people love on them like that. And then like, I went. To, I was. I was so random. I was at the Black Woman Expo. I was hosting something. I was like the only man there. <laughs> and um, they, Bernie's uh, wife and Janice, his daughter, um, they just was speaking about him. And this was right after that. And it's, I just felt connected to Bernie. And I don't know. I kept having these moments. Where I kept, and then me and her ended up talking one day, like on Twitter or something. And then we DM'd each other. And then we became friends. She started coming to my shows. The jokes of those comedy club, the club I worked in, they put a mural of Bernie. With all of us. So I, I, it's weird that I was painted in a club. But <laughs> they had Bernie there. And the first time... I was there the first time Janice saw that, right? And she wrote this beautiful note to her dad on the wall. And just watching her, I mean, she broke the fuck down because you know she was a daddy's girl. Yeah. But it was just, it's just I just always felt, con- and then it was stuff happening to me that I would call Janice, and she'd be like, "Yo, my dad went through that too. This is what he did." Yeah. And it's so weird that she became a a huge part of some of the moves I made based on Bernie went through this too. Yeah. You know, so I just feel I want to play him. I, if they ever do a Bernie Mac something, I I fuck that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's, uh, what you know, we talk about character things. Yeah. I want to embody that, yo. You know, we're talking about Rel, and the truth that, you know, like, it's a funny multi-camera sitcom, but then, you know, you'll do things about Chicago that are honest to you. You'll have, you know, the, the episode where there's the gangs in the laundry room yeah. that sort of builds to, like, you confronting them yeah. in a very honest way, or, or even the way you did it, depicted the political office. Why was that important to you? That Chirac speech I had to do. You know what's funny about that scene too? It was written, but then I was like, "Fuck that!" Like you know what I mean? Like I, I felt. I told Vic, Vic Mensa play. You know the, the game member. I told Vic like, "Yo, let's just go, bro. Like whatever we go with this." And it was that was a real speech I've always wanted to say. I think it represented a lot of people on how we think. Yeah. Like we tired of that bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So, but I also wanted to show, which is why like at the end, I he died. He gets killed. Just how quick that shit is if you if that's the life you chose. Yeah, there's a lot of times I saw somebody out like and then like 
fucking 45 minutes later, somebody called him, like, yo, he just got killed. Like, for real? I just saw this motherfucker. Like, that's how quick that shit, if, that's your, if, if you're living that life. You know what I'm saying? I wanted, I wanted just to show that to young people, too. Because it, it's just weird. I, I'm trying, I think at some point, I'm doing it on the sitcom, but I think, and I told somebody this, I said, all, like, Chicago creatives, let's stop having people who are not from Chicago make these fucking movies and shows. That's bullshit. So we need to do that on our own. I mean, Lena, Lena Waif talked about this before. Like, it's a movie out there that, I, like, I hate that Chirac movie. Yeah. There's no no disrespect to Spike Lee, and I love a lot of his work, but he should have never made that fucking movie. Like, I watch that shit, and I get mad. I was at the theater like, what the fuck is this piece of shit <laughs> of a movie? Because you can't joke about that shit like that. Yeah. If you're not going to tell the real truth with this shit, then don't, don't do it. Yeah. Got a motherfucker with an eye patch and shit. This is fucking weird. What the fuck is this weird-ass <laughs> fucking movie? I'm just saying. <laughs> you see how I round up I got about Shaq? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> God, Lee, if you want to torture me, strap me somewhere and play that shit. I'll give you all my fucking bank codes. <laughs> uh, for something uh, slightly different, you've mentioned Larry David as an influence. But Oh, God, I love Larry David. Because lo- you know what's funny, man? Kirby Enthusiasm, that character reminds me of me. Like, I'm, I'm like petty like that. I don't, yeah. to, like, not, I don't know how to let, just let shit go. It's like, huh. You know what I mean? Like, Larry, I love Kirby Enthusiast. I think that's just, it's just, it was brilliant. And then, like, to just to blow up somebody like J.B. Smooth, that's like my big brother. Yeah. I just, ah, oh, it just made sense. You know what I'm mean? saying? <laughs> it's just one of the funny, it's, it's one of the shows I didn't even think I was going to like. That's like it was Seinfeld. I didn't watch Seinfeld until it was syndicated. Yeah. Because I'm like, man, fuck all this. Because it was, if you think about it, it was, television felt segregated. Like, you look, if you're watching, fucking living single or whatever, you can't watch, this. like, you know what I mean? So, but then when I started watching Seinfeld, I was like, this shit is fucking great. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is hysterical. No soup for you, like, this all this, like, <laughs> I was mad at myself, like, why the fuck I ain't been watching this? <laughs> uh, so the first time I interviewed you was right after Get Out came out, and you were saying, it's like, you're thinking about flying just anywhere and then flying right back? Yeah. Um, I imagine you've flown since. Yes. Um, <laughs> how have the, how has the TSA reacted, you know, and, and almost two years since, how how are they still you know what's funny i do i do legit get special treatment like, i can honestly <laughs> say that they are really nice to me if they see me in line or see like they always look out and shit um i get a lot of thank yous for like making us look normal because people hate it yeah but then when you think about it i, I mean even playing a tsa agent I, I thought about like damn like they are in charge of making sure we are they just doing their fucking job <laughs> Like, not trying to irritate us. Yeah. I never come off that way like, this motherfucker just want to ruin my day. No, she's doing his job. You know what I mean? Which has got to be annoying to them, especially like, you know. Look, I had to end up like studying this shit a little bit. Like, you know, people don't know how to take their shoes off. Like, you flew before. Take your goddamn shoes off. <laughs> yeah. Because I imagine to them, everyone else is so annoying. And we think they, it's like, imagine every, you have to teach people to, to take their belt off. It's so weird. I mean, you do got some of them people that's like, if you talk to some TSA A's, they all know who the extra person at the job. Like, yeah, this motherfucker be doing too much real. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny that how nice they are now. Like, it's like, all right, what's up, y'all? <laughs> now that you're creating your own projects, looking back at Get Out, uh, what do you think you learned about what you wanted from the things that you create? Um, I learned a lot from Jordan as far as like, you know, making sure Everything you want is executed. So that means you gotta be in the writer's room, you gotta be you gotta make all these decisions. I think that's why Jordan made such a masterpiece, you know, because it was it was exactly what he 
wanted to do. I think if if, if he would have had other people, like if somebody else would have directed that, I don't know if we would have got the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is why he ended up doing it. But man, that dude, he just, I got some brilliant friends, man. <laughs> I really do. They just, they just fucking dope, man. And like, I've learned, like, even from Gerard, like, they're just so focused and good. And they could just sit in a room and just write some shit and create. I've had to learn to do that. I mean, Gerard. Even though he's younger than me, he's like, it gets on my fucking nerves how smart he is sometimes. I'm like, motherfucker, damn it, you right. Because uh, it's, it's, you know, he's had to tell me, I've, I've had to learn to really, you know, rail. if you want it this way, you can't be mad at motherfuckers. You, you write it. Yeah. You can't be like, I don't want, no, you do it then. <laughs> and I had to learn that. And, you know, uh, that was a huge lesson, too, because, you know, you're a delegate shit. But it's like, no, if you feel like, fuck it, you write it. Yeah, you kind of hope that it will work, and then you're like, oh, yeah. that's not going to work that Yeah, you learn to, and I've, I've gotten so much better as a writer. I just, I just got good writing friends, man. I look forward to this, even when I start writing these films, too, and producing more, too. I don't always want to be in front of the camera. I mean, this shit, you know, this is too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't wait. I'm just chilling. And you, you were, <laughs> we were talking about before, you, you like work made by people who like the medium, the, the genre that they're making. Yes. Yeah, I love, I love, because that's what made Get Out work. Jordan Peele is a horror fan. He's a real fan of the genre, and he's a fan of comedy, which is why he was able to create a character like mine for the movie, and it wasn't silly. Yeah. You know, the comedy is him just being honest, like, man, get the fuck out of there. Like, <laughs> all he was was the audience. Yeah. You know, how many movies you have from the beginning, somebody like, hey, man, I don't think you should go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you already tell him what the fuck it is. This movie could have ended 20 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was brilliant. And I, I think, especially with me, I'm a sitcom fan, which is why like, you know, every episode of Rail so far has little pieces of some of my favorite shows, you know what I mean? Pieces of Martin. That's why you see me doing all these different characters, what I love about Martin. That's what I love about it, Living Color, just character work. And then like, I look at the opening, cold open of my pilot is basically Frazier's cold open. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where he's yeah. just explaining what the fuck this shit is. Yeah. You know, my, his was to a radio audience, mine was to a customer service agent. Because I wanted an easy way to tell the story without yeah. us forcing all this shit into this one fucking pilot. Well, let's get it over with. This is what yeah. the fuck happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a little, little Larry Davis stuff, a little, like, the loose boost thing. That's some Seinfeld type shit. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's you know, it's little elements. I'm a, I am a TV nerd, man. And I remember when we was doing Carmichael show, Loretta Devine was like, why are you so comfortable? Like, because I think at the first rehearsal, like, you're just comfortable. Like, you've done this before? I was like, nope, I just watched the fuck. <laughs> and I, I mean, I watched it to the point where I knew the timing of waiting for the laugh to come and then come back. Like, it's, you I was a weird yeah. fucking kid. Like, I just watched this, I started studying this shit, not even for laughter. Like, that's interesting. I guess you should turn this way towards that way. <laughs> Can't turn your back to the camera. It's, it's such, I'm a fucking, I was a nerd, I'm a nerd of this fucking business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that sound. I don't know why. What is that? Yeah, no, it's terrible. Uh, so <laughs> it's too late now, though. So it, that sound means it's time for the final segment, which is a laughing round. But so it's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a you know laughing round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, is there a joke that uh, you wish you could like steal? Essentially, like not that anyone would know. But it's like sort of it would be in your act forever. Like you would like crane. I mean, fucking. Aunt Bunny, man, Eddie Murphy, the bitty do about his auntie falling down the stairs. God damn, man. 
overshoot. You know, <laughs> like it's so. You know what? This is this way. You know, it's a good joke when you don't have to see a motherfucker do it. You understand what I'm saying? You can just hear it, and it's a. I when I tell you, I don't care how many times I've seen that bit. It makes me laugh so hard. It's just Eddie Murphy's fucking great. Man. I wish he would come back. Shit. <laughs> I would pay thousands to see that dude. I heard he's still like hysterical. Like, yeah. People say like he's still like the funniest motherfucker. Like you could be, it'd be a room full of comics. Eddie's still funnier than everybody. And I, and the main thing that you hear that he watches every special. He watch all that shit. He watch all the movies. I just wanna, I, that's what the thing. I want to. I don't want to like meet him like on some professional. Show. I just want to sit down and rap with this dude. And I, I think he's the only motherfucker I don't know. Yeah. Eddie Murphy's the only person that I've wanted to meet that I ain't met yet. I know Chris Rock. I mean, Chris Rock called me out the blue after watching Relevant. Called me out the blue. It was on like my day off and shit. And this movie was like, it is Little Red. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's Chris Rock. I'm like, no, the fuck it ain't. And I hung up. Because <laughs> I thought it was Jermaine. Jermaine Fowler be playing around and shit. Yeah. So I thought he was fucking with me. And he's like, okay, man, I ain't going to call twice. It's me. You know, I'm like, oh, oh shit, all right. How did fucking get my number? Kevin Hart gave it to me. And uh, that's a true story. And we just talked about my, like he broke down my special. And I remember having it on speakerphone, and uh, if I could be real, I, I was taking a shit. So it was, uh, <laughs> I listen to Chris Rock, was like, I mean, the bit you do about the bus, oh, that's brilliant. He's like, oh shit, you remind me of Bernie. And that's what he said. Yeah. It ain't that you sound like it, you just got that energy. And I was like, damn, all right. <laughs> He didn't know what the fuck I had going on. He knows, was like, look, if you need some help with something, like, I'm in this movie called Get Out, coming out soon. I'm thinking, it's pretty good. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he ended up becoming, I could call Chris my friend now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, that, that's, Eddie's the only one. I mean, Chappelle, I've hung out with everybody but Eddie Murphy. I'm talking about, and I had a good conversation. <laughs> I, I want to talk to Eddie. I want to just... Talk to Eddie Murphy. Can anybody know Eddie Murphy? Tell Eddie Murphy just invite me to the house. Or Eddie, if you're you're listening to this later, reach out to me and I'll get you real. <laughs> His kids have came to the tapings. Oh, should ask them. I want to ask them about their daddy. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Miles, can I come to the house? Take your dad. <laughs> it's your daddy. <laughs> I feel like you got a big house, you got to yell at this shit. Um, I was asked to ask about the origins of your catchphrase, which is... Shibidi dobos Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I started doing it to impress my kids. <laughs> Let me tell you what. The Sprout Channel got this little weird-ass bird and shit. And it's be, don't even say shit, just be burning it up. And they just thought that shit was so funny, and I was so jealous. <laughs> I was like, it's not saying shit. <laughs> Fucking weird ass bird. Yeah. So I'm like, well, shibbity dubbos. And they started laughing. And then I just started using it all the fucking time. So that was in my, like, that's how I talk. Like, hey, man, I'd be like, what's going on there? Shibbity It's almost my yada, yada, yada. Like, well, shibbity dubbos. <laughs> uh, do you have any, do you know any joke jokes, like street jokes? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my favorite joke like that, and this is, I got this at camp, I was like 12. <laughs> I don't even want to tell it because it, it, it's all right. I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's an old joke. It's, like, uh, it's a kid named Johnny Fuck Hour. It, it's it was a funny issue. The teacher was like, uh, <laughs> "Okay, she go." Th- I don't even remember the whole joke because I told it. I was like twelve. Like, oh, this is funny shit. I remember that being the funniest shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Like, yo, you a brilliant kid, man. You need to do comedy, Johnny Fuck Hour fam. 
Uh, so it was a kid named Johnny Fuckauer, and the teacher was going through the list of who all in there, like, you know, Williams, you know, Jackson, Fuckauer. Is there a Fuckauer in here? This little boy said, man, we don't even get a cookie break. <laughs> <laughs> we even get a cookie break. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> what's the the hardest show you've ever done? The hardest show, stand up show. Yeah. Shit. Uh, it's been a couple. It used to be. Shit. Man, it was a spot in Atlanta, at Uptown Comedy Club that Lil Duval used to host. Well, they came to boo motherfuckers. <laughs> like for real, it was weird. And it was a taping too. Like what the fuck that weird shit is this? <laughs> T.I. used to do the night with him, and it was packed, and it was crazy, but that was so fucking hard. I got through that shit. I never got through a set, like, sweating so hard, just happy I got through it. Yeah. And they didn't do shit. And, they, like, and if you did good, they came out with a mirror and shit and wiped you down. It was some ghetto crazy shit, but it was dope <laughs> as fuck. Um, <laughs> as a person from Chicago, where are you right now with Kanye? And emotionally, physically? <laughs> Psychologically? Um, I mean, you be. I'm, just think about it. Two things. First of all, I don't know when we start listening to people that don't make no fucking sense. <laughs> like, I don't in my life. You don't. If you a person talking crazy, I don't. Why the fuck I'm letting round myself up to get mad at you? Fuck what you talking about. Yeah. Why am I listening to you? Uh, sec, I think just Kanye personally. To be honest with you, this goes back to even my situation when I talk about my mom. I don't think he ever got over his mom's death. I don't think he mourned for real, to be fucking honest with you. And I can see that shit because I've been through that shit before and I was able to get counseling or whatever. He ain't talked to nobody about that shit. And, you know, it's tough because when you're famous and something like that happened, and then the way she passed, you can't tell me that. You can see the pain in this motherfucker. That's why he keep reaching for money. That's why he got mad at Jay-Z because Jay-Z wasn't his friend. Like, nigga, that's just your friend. <laughs> he ain't your fucking daddy, nigga. Yeah. Like, chill. But so, I, I got real good on that, but... <laughs> But it's, it's one of those things like, bro, like, and then like he stopped talking to people that was really around him for real. Like, we all know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, it's on, to the point now everybody like, man, I don't know, you know. And I think he shouldn't talk, talk. Talk through your music. That's the only yeah. way you can explain yourself. <laughs> talk through the songs. Don't say shit regular. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just talk, talk to the music. Yeah. Because he don't know what the fuck, he just be saying shit. Like, did you hear what the fuck you said? Slavery was a choice? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Because the thing about it, I almost get where he was going with it, but he doesn't know how to say shit. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, dude, just talk through the songs. <laughs> and, uh, but still, yeah, I, I, it's so hard, too, because I'm a huge Kanye fan. And this is it's so funny you asked me, because I've been thinking about this the last two days, actually, because I don't want to listen to his fucking music no more. It just do, it's, it's just, just like, just, I'm like, who the fuck are you, bro? Like, like you're not, you're hurting more than you helping. Shut the fuck up. Because he got a good heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, even just trusting Donald Trump now, you like, oh, I don't feel like he used. You just figuring that <laughs> shit the fuck out? Sorry. <laughs> uh, do you, can you do an impression of yourself? Can I do an impression of myself? Yeah. Huh. How do you impress yourself? Uh-huh. Well, she would eat elbows. Lil Rel, <laughs> thank you so much. Have a good vulture festival. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can find a lot of clips, like the one we played of this episode of Lil Rel Stand Up, on YouTube, and rent his special, Relevant, on Amazon, YouTube, or wherever you stream. Find episodes of his Fox sitcom Rel on Hulu. 
Follow Little Rail on Twitter at LittleRail4. Good One is produced by Mike Comite. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write our view and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. And hey, if you know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them what the heck. You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new episode and a new joke. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.